Welcome in. This is your Sony Open live chat brought to you by my friends over at Jock Market. This time is yours. Whatever you want to talk about, throw it in the chat. I don't really care. I'm here. Talk about golf. Talk about specific players. Talk about key stats. Talk about whatever you want. Go ahead and throw it in the chat. There is indeed a Jock Market Power Hour tonight. If you haven't played Stock Market DFS on the Jock Market yet, you're doing something wrong. Uh, big contest this week, full field event. And of course, Joe Idoni and myself are going to do the Power Hour tonight at 8.15. Same spot. Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Use the code Rick. That'll get you up to a $50 deposit bonus. We'll talk more about Jock Market in just a few minutes, but I do want to jump into uh, some of these questions here because that is what we are here to do. So let me start at the top. Anthony says, hey, Rick, I'm core cascading this week, and when I finally decide on a core team member, I have a, a virtual press conference in my head and welcome him to the team. Am I doing that right? Absolutely. That is literally the most important step. You make sure they're ready to go, right? You check in with their, their mentals. How are they feeling this week? Any aches and pains? Are you going to be able to keep your head straight if you make a bogey or two? These are all things that are critical when they're making your very, very valuable core. So if you'd like to transcribe the virtual press conferences that you're having in your head and send them to me, I'd be more than happy to read them. Phil Smart, right out of the gate with a super chat. These are uh, certainly not expected, but much appreciated. It says, hey, Rick, thanks on thoughts on a Hayden Buckley outright at 110 to 1. I think there is value with him, but how foolish is it to think that he could actually win? I want to be early rather than late. Okay, so I'm going to turn my attention uh, to the tools here, everything you see. And again, thank you. Thanks, Phil. I really, I really appreciate it here. Uh, I'm going to turn my attention to Phil Smart. Isn't that the name of the uh, the Flex Seal guy? Phil Smart. No, Phil Swift, maybe. Not Phil Smart. Here's Hayden Buckley. Everything you see is from my website, rickrungood.com. It's where all the data tools are. Uh, Buckley, obviously, we don't have a ton of PGA Tour data, but I do have his Corn Ferry Tour data logged, logged as well. I actually think he's been more impressive here on the PGA Tour than he had been on the Corn Ferry, believe it or not. You can see the win on the KFT was back in February. And then he was kind of hit or miss almost alternating weeks in which he was uh, gaining strokes or losing strokes. But this is really encouraging stuff to see. So finishes fourth at the corn Ferry tour championship, which is their strongest event of the, of the year. And then he gains both on approach and off the tee at the Fortinet, the Sanderson farms and the Shriners RSM classic gained on approach as well. I don't know the answer to this, Phil. I don't know if he can actually win in a field like this. It's not like he was, he's been a, pro, a prolific winner or anything like that, but I think he's got a really good set of ball striking skills that we've seen from him in a very small sample size. It's unlikely that he wins, but if there was ever going to be a tournament for 50 to one and longer and for unknowns that we're trying to figure out what they are and a lot of different ways to get to victory, this would be that spot. So good luck. I doubt he wins it, but certainly not the worst bet that you could ever make. Ryan wants to do a deep dive on Chad Ramey and Aaron Rye. All right. Well, the Ramey one's pretty interesting. And actually, uh, well, let me start with, let me, maybe I'll start with Aaron Rye here. So here he is, which what you're going to see is uh, a very small sample size of elite ball striking when he gains 
over five and a half strokes on approach at the Houston Open, and he gains another five and a half on approach at the RSM Classic. That is staggeringly good. It's exciting. That's in a stretch of three consecutive top 20s. Now, we're going to learn a lot about him because is that three-event stretch, is that an outlier? It was a couple of months ago. He didn't want the fall scheduled to end. Um, I like his game a lot, and I think that he's growing into a, a player that you can see across the globe have more and more success. Ramey, however, I think is even more interesting. So I'm going to go to the power rankings here, and uh, you know I'm going to put an asterisk next to this. But if you go to raw, pure raw strokes gained in the last 100 rounds, raw strokes gained, Cam Smith is number one, Chad Ramey is number two. Ramey, mostly success on the Corn Ferry, right? 82 of his 100 rounds are on the Corn Ferry, so you can't really look at this raw. So if we look at it weighted for just players in this field, uh, Ramey is going to drop, but he only drops to 36th, which sounds pretty low, but 36th out of, what, 150 guys, and he's being priced way further down than the 36th best golfer. I still think there's plenty of value there on Chad Ramey. Thanks for the conversation. Dan the man says, Hey Rick, happy new year. You're, you're, you're late, Dan. I think we're, we're past the happy new year stuff. Um, geez. You indicated that you needed to do some more digging on Mark Hubbard. How does he stack up against the rest of the sub seven K guys? And how strongly are you recommending him? I'm I'm lukewarm, quite honestly. I mean, Hubbard, this should be a decent spot for him because he's not a particularly long driver of the golf ball. And you don't have to be here. In fact, I, I had a great little stat that I sent out in my email newsletter about how unimportant um, uh, driving distance is basically here. Uh, so that's good for Hubbard. But what's Hubbard's ceiling? Is it is it T16? Is it T22? I'm not sure what it is, but I, I'm probably lukewarm on him. I think you could you could do worse in that range. Hey, Rick, I know it's unlikely, but could you take a look at Kramer Hickok? Uh, yeah, I, we, we covered Hickok, I think, on the First Cup podcast, and it, it wasn't particularly pretty. He's someone that um, really lost it for like the final nine months of the year, right? I mean, it's just outside of that playoff at the Travelers, popped up in Houston, but there's just a lot of really bad play here, a lot of really bad play. Uh, even going back to... I mean, this is this is nothing to be be all that excited about, unfortunately. So I like the guy, I like him a lot, but there's no really data to back up the fact that he could be an interesting play this week. Let's see thoughts on Andrew Novak. Also one and done. Sungjae versus Webb this early. Uh, this early, you can do whatever you want. Sungjae Webb. I don't. I don't think it particularly matters. Um, both are just going to be are going to be fine, right? Webb. You could save Webb. I think Sungjae and, and having him play more in the fall and kind of knowing what he's up to is a little bit more exciting, but Weber has been phenomenal here and you can get really, but you can play, you can play Weber at four or five, four or five different spots. Uh, here's Andrew Novak. A couple of top 26s in his last two starts, always a consistent gainer on the Corn Ferry Tour. Again, this is mostly just how are these guys going to translate? And I think Novak translates pretty well. Look at this stretch of golf he played on the Corn Ferry. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven events in a row last spring in which he gained a bunch of strokes. He had, what is that, five consecutive top 10 finishes? Corn Ferry's a good tour. And he finished okay too. Decent finish in July. 
I don't mind this. I, I prefer there's probably like four or five corn fairy guys I prefer over Novak, but I I believe in those guys. I really do believe in those guys. My book has Keegan plus 130 over Ryan Palmer. Can you compare their play over the last month or so? Six months or so? Sure. So last six months. So let's go back to call it uh, June 1st, 2021. I'm here in the Holy Grail. Let's just isolate Keegan and who was it? Ryan Palmer? Yeah, no problem. Oof. It's not pretty for either of them, right? So both of them are losing strokes in that time frame. Both of them are losing a ton with the putter. That's not necessarily different for Keegan, but Ryan Palmer losing a stroke per round. Remember when he switched? That was probably in 2020 when he switched to that old putter that he used for like 12 years or like hadn't used in 12 years and he started making everything. Man, we are not in that boat this week. That's surprising to see that. What else do we have? I mean, Keegan just kind of laps him here. By by far a better ball striker. They're both have been very sour with the with the flat stick. Um, yeah, I think you probably want the Keegan side there. Can we? Oh, hold on. There's a um, another super chat here. Wow, this is uh, quite lucrative for me. Thank you, Phil. So my model has Smith, Sungjae, Gooch at the top. Smith, Sungjae, Gooch at the top. Cool. But those are just the latest winners. Is there a stats issue with it being so early in 2020? Well, sure. You, it depends on what it depends on what model you're using, right, Phil? So if you're only looking at this season, yeah, you're going to get guys who are, are playing well this year. Some of these guys have four, eight, 12 rounds, 16, 20, depending on how if they played four or five events. A lot of the Corn Fairy guys have more rounds. But yeah, if you're only looking at 2022, um, you're, you're going to get a, a pretty significant influx of of winners so let me show you about so i I don't know if you're using my custom model i don't i don't know if you are but the idea of you know using the last 50 rounds right use last 50 rounds or any amount of rounds that you want is probably a better way to do it if you're just looking at season numbers you're you're probably going to run into some some small sample sizes there so thank you again for the super chat let me see if i can find my spot again Uh, I think it's here. Hey, Rick. Hey, Scott. First off, thanks for doing the run and done. Going to be a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah. Like last chance. You've got like um, 10 hours to sign up for the run and done. If you haven't already, I'm sure the link is probably in the description. Go get all the information, two-step process, sign up, have a blast. Is English really in that bad of a slump? I know he's dipped a bit, but 35 to one in a field like this seems nuts. Well, Let's pull it up, but I'm a little bit concerned that the answer to your question is yes. Um, slump has been that bad. Let's let's look at it. So here we go. Good putter on Bermuda historically. That's a good sign. So, yeah, I mean, after the win, he played well, and then he stopped being Harris English, at least statistically. Statistically, Harris English at his best, and what you would expect is basically for him to be a small gainer across the board, which is what we saw in the lead up to, to the Palmetto, the lead up to, or excuse me, the lead up to his Travelers Championship win at the Palmetto and at the U.S. Open, which is why I'm pretty sure we were holding a Harris English Travelers Championship ticket because that's the best part of him. The best part of him is to be solid across the board. We're not seeing that anymore. Um, 
three of his last seven, he's lost off the tee. Same, same rate of losing on approach, same rate of losing with the putter. It's not one thing that I could point at Scott and say, that's the issue. That's where if he just puts well this week, if he just drives it well this week, he's going to be okay. That's what worries me about Harris English. And we usually see a little bit of a better lead up uh, in terms of, of, of him getting on track. So I'm, Unfortunately, as much as I love the guy, not very optimistic about it. Hank says, can you try to talk me out of putting Cam Davis in my core? No. Fair warning, I am stubborn and probably won't listen to what you say anyway. Great. I, <laughs> you should play Cam Davis. He is a prolific fantasy scorer. Um, there's probably a couple of different ways I could show you this, but I could just show you the cheat sheet here on rickrungood.com. And there's a column for drafts, Kings points gained. It's very similar to strokes gained. You're either above or below the average. And when you get down to cam Davis, you realize he gains on average about 15 fantasy points to the field. It's more than Billy Horschel. It's more than Corey Connors, it's more than Harris English. It's more than a lot of guys. It's closer to Taylor Gooch. He's just a prolific fantasy scorer. So no, I'm probably not going to try to talk you out of it. Hey Rick, love the show. Thank you. Hope these guys like and subscribe. I do as well. Thank you. Who do you like more between Brian Harmon, Stuart Sink, and Keith Mitchell? Oof. Well, there's a lot of different ways that we could do this, right? Let's just go to the power rankings. Uh, I want to reset guys basically back to the last 50 rounds. So who do we have here? We have uh, Stuart. We've got Harmon. I'll isolate these guys. And we've got Keith Mitchell. Okay, so I'm on weighted strokes gained, which I think is better anyway. It's not great. I mean, Stuart Sink's been pretty terrible. Harmon's been relying on a short game. That's not very exciting. And Mitchell's been statistically the best player. And he's gaining in three of four with one elite skill set, which is the driver. So I think when you add it all up, it's got to be Keith Mitchell. Which guys have you become more bearish and bullish on for DFS purposes? It says on soft DFS purposes. I'm not sure what that means. But um, all right. So as the week goes on, let me look through the board here. I'm probably more bullish on Cam Smith. You know, people want to just be like, he won last week. He's never going to win again. He is, this is the best spot for him. This is the statistically the best spot for him. He's been phenomenal. He's the best player in the field. It's not close. I'm probably just more bullish on Cam Smith. Probably more bullish on Mav McNeely. I think it's a really good spot for him. Probably more bearish on Denny. I think Denny's going to be pretty popular. I'm checking in about 10.8% ownership. I bet she comes in closer to 15 I'm I'm worried about that uh, because there's his 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 path to success is much more around the putter, which is always a little bit scary. Mike Van Veen, sheesh, super chat, appreciate you. Hey Rick, appreciate all that you do. Jock market question. Yep. Oh, and good timing. I'll get to them in a second. You have one thousand dollars to spend in the PGA IPO tonight with the goal to maximize profit. Who are you buying and why? All right. So this is a pretty good question, and I can. Turn my attention over to Jock Market here while I answer this, Mike. So I, I appreciate I appreciate it. So um, Jock Market is stock market DFS. So you can buy, sell, short shares of athletes across all sports. Golf is awesome because it lasts four days. So you get a really long live 
trading session. And tonight and today is important because this is the IPO. This is when you bid on shares of golfers. And if you are one of the high bidders, those shares get allocated to you. They go into your portfolio. So that's what Mike is asking about here. And I've got the data on my website here on rickrungood.com. Uh, and what I just kind of want to do is I'm just going to manipulate this a little bit, Mike, just to kind of give us an idea of over the last year and you know just a couple of events in this season, who are some of the big returners? And I'm going to start looking for guys who've played a lot and who are in this field. Well, KH Lee's in this field, right? So KH Lee on average returns 72% ROI, which is pretty crazy. Now he's popped a couple of times, waste management. He's popped at the Byron Nelson, popped a little bit at the 3M Open. So it's kind of boom or bust with him. But I think that that is somewhat interesting. Back to Keith Mitchell again, right? Boom or bust. Let's see if we can find somebody who's a bit more consistent because if I'm dumping $1,000 into the IPO, I kind of want someone who's more consistent. And maybe it's Seamus. So here's Seamus Power, who routinely goes for 4 to $8 in IPO and has been a pretty solid returner. Let's look at Power, Gooch, and Leishman together here. And I'll go into their profiles here. So Power, let's start with Power. He's made you money in 65% of his markets, which is interesting because sometimes you see this be below 50%, but a high average ROI, which is kind of like your popper. So power would certainly be a guy that I would target. Leishman, let's see what Leishman's been up to. Yeah, see, Leishman's kind of the opposite, right? Very much boomer bust. He's only gained you money in 12 out of 27 markets. And I bet you Gooch is pretty valuable as well. Yeah, Gooch is 17 of 30 on the plus side, average 46% ROI. He's made you money in one, two, three, four, five. Is that six in a row? No, five out of his last seven. So I'd probably focus on those guys, Mike. Um, so that's Gooch. Probably Gooch and Power, I think, are, are pretty decent plays for this week. If you want to sign up, use the code RICK over at Jock Market. It gets you up to a $50 deposit bonus. It's the best possible bonus that you can find. Thanks, Mike. See you tonight. Try to pick up my spot again. Favorite guys in the 6K range purely for upside. All right, well, I can do that. Purely for upside. $6,000 range. Let's see what we've got down here. Cam Young's kind of interesting. Small sample size, but elite skill set. He's had a couple of, he had a close call in the fall. Hudson Swafford, based on course history and when he gets it going, he's a good ball striker and the short game lets him down. I don't really care about the around the green play this week. So Hudson Swafford at 68. And then I'll give you one more. How about Steven Yeager, who hasn't had as much success as he'd probably like on the PGA yet, tour yet, but if you go back to that power ranking of just like pure raw strokes gain, you saw Ramey's name up there. You probably also saw Steven Yeager's name up there. Again, a lot of Corn Ferry rounds in that, but the Corn Ferry's good. I don't really care about it. Hey, Rick, who's your mispriced guy of the week? Can't lay worked out last week. Ooh, good question. I haven't really considered that. I don't know if I've thought about a guy being really mispriced. I'm just looking through the cheat sheet here if you want to look with me. Man, that's a really good question. I'm not sure that there is a blatant misprice like we saw on can't lay last week. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to just make one up to make one up, Joe. I don't think it exists. I mean, the Matt Jones one, but in the wrong way. I think he should be like $1,000 cheaper. I think he's $1,000 too expensive. 
I'm not sure there's one. I'll chew on that for the rest of the show, but I don't want to give you an answer just to give you an answer. Whoops, lost my spot. Try going to try to find it again. Um, talked about Hudson, Swafford, and Mark Hubbard, so I'm going to skip a couple of these. What do you suggest as far as ownership projections in the custom model? Okay, so the custom model allows you to set um, a max projected ownership. So it's basically saying, hey, you know, I want to build lineups that are more contrarian or less contrarian, depending on the type of contest that I'm in. Uh, I think like 80%. If you're trying to win, <clears throat> excuse me, all the money in a GPP, I, I wouldn't probably wouldn't go higher than 80%. So that's combined ownership, right? And it usually will get you maybe a guy that's 20%, maybe some guys that are a little bit lower, but it gives you a, enough leverage on the field. Once you start breaking into the triple digits into like the 100, I think you're you're probably going to be too chalky. Stewie, oh boy. All right. Stewie's going to set me off on a tangent here, I think. So he says, can you explain the difference between a stat and a trend and how each is applied in DFS golf? Well, a stat is, I would say, just a metric, right? It could be anything. It could, it could be your rank in um, driving accuracy or strokes gain total or any category. It's just a stat. A trend is basically taking historical stats and saying, here's what's going to happen. And I'll give you an example here because like nine people tweeted this at me because um, I went on a rant about this the other day. But like everybody sent me whatever this is that's going around that says um, – Eight of the last 10 winners have played the week before at Kapalua. 12 of the last 12 winners have had at least two previous career wins. 24 of the last 26 winners played at least two previous Sony Opens. Like all this stuff. These are trends, right? These are using stats to try to be predictive. I hate these. For the most part, these don't make any sense, right? The one that's going around that I keep seeing is, you know, 16 of the last 23 winners, I think it is, um, played at, Kapalua the week before. You're seeing that here. It's shorter. It's eight out of 10. The guys that played at Kapalua are champions. They're better players. Are they winning because they're better players or are they winning because they played at Kapalua? This trend would like you to think it's because they played at Kapalua. I don't necessarily agree. Uh, generally, people who go to find trends are looking for something already, right? They're, they're, they're compiling the results of the winner and they're saying, okay, who fits this? Well, how does this compare to other events, right? Like when you say um, eight of the last 10 winners have had a ninth place finish or better in one of the last three events prior to their win. I hate that stat. So why did we go with ninth place? Because that fit the trend. Ninth is arbitrary. Why didn't we say eighth? Because that wouldn't have worked. Why didn't we say fifth? Why didn't we say 12th? Um, had a finish in one of their last three events. Why three? Why not five? Why not six? Why not one? Because three fit the trend. It, this is this is silliness. 11 of the last 13 winners were born in the United States. Yeah, like 80% of every field is born in the United States. It, it, it's, oh, here's a good one. 21 of the last 24 were age 31 or older. You got me. You got me. I don't know. I just, Stewie, it's to me, um, trends are a really kind of lame way to create narratives around stats. 
to frame it in a way that you want. And they're generally not very predictive. And I'm sorry about that rant. Um, Oliver says, Rick, I, I, you know, I got your back. I know that. Who's the King Kamahama Kamahama Heime of the 6,000s for you? Hmm. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, <laughs> I'm looking for the King. I, I think it could be Cam Young. I don't mind Cam Young. I'm, there's something about him that, that excites me. Whether it's the off the tee play, whether it's the upside we've seen. I don't know. I just think he's more talented than a lot of these guys. Trent says, hey, Rick, I'm a big player on prize picks. And I'm wondering how the site can help me with PGA. Where would I go to see if there is value on Cam Smith over or under 13 greens in re regulation round one or fairways hit, for example? Oof. Okay, lots to unpack there. So, you know, greens and regulations and fairways are their, their basic stat categories, right? So what you can always do is you can always go to the Holy Grail and you can always go to the stats tab and you can always look for, um, you know, the approach to green numbers, uh, which would probably have fairways hit, or excuse me, greens and regulation in here. Yeah, it's right here. And you can kind of see their rankings and you can see their percentage. The problem is going to be, you know, the fairways at the Sony are different than the fairways at Kapalua, right? So you kind of have to look at historical trends of, I would say, like fairways hit rate for here historically. It's probably not on the website right now, but I can load it in. I'll load it in for you. I'll, I'll try to add it to the course key stats page. What are the pivots in the seven and $8,000 ranges? All right, so for pivots, we need to go to the cheat sheet. We need to look at the projected ownership. And what range did you want? Seven and 8K. So we've got to look at the highly owned golfers in, in those ranges, which Russell Henley in the $8,000 range is coming in at about 22%. So my favorite pivots there, McNeely, as I mentioned, cuts his ownership about in half. Uh, Cam Davis, just because of the scoring that you're going to get. EVR, as you pointed out, would definitely be Chris, but I, I do want to I do want to like walk the line of not just taking the lowest owned guy to take the lowest owned guy, but but the lowest owned guy that I think is still going to play really well. And then the 7K range, yeah, Smalley's great. I, I, Smalley, Ramey, I love those guys, but I think the highest owned golfers are going to probably be Joel Damon, about 17.5%. If you wanted to go to Tom Hoagie and cut that in half, I wouldn't mind that. The good thing about Hoagie is I believe he is just ball striking the absolute hell out of it. Okay, so let's look at this. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six consecutive measured events. Hoagie has gained multiple strokes on approach. It's special. And when Hoagie at least does have a good week, he can pop inside the top five, top 10. So I think he's a pretty good pivot there. Jared says, hey, Rick, I just can't get away from Cam Smith this week. I don't see his form just disappearing at a course he's had success at. Correct. Did the leverage play, so I'm going to skip that. Um, talked about him, so I'm going to keep going. Hey, Rick, smash the thumbs up. Thanks. Am I missing something or did you move your one and done talk elsewhere? Yeah. So that Tuesday, like betting one and done preview, it's kind of been lumped into the Tuesday scramble show that I'm doing live on Tuesday mornings with Andy Lack. There is a 
segment for one and done and bets and conversations. It's generally lumped into that. I also did a Twitter space last night at 7 p.m. Eastern time where you can join in on the conversation where I kind of did the same thing, went through the uh, simulator um, uh, results, did some matchups, talked about one and done. I'll do it again tonight. So tonight on Twitter, 7 p.m. Eastern time, you can join the conversation. Had some really good questions and comments last night, which was always exciting. And then that, that scramble show, it's Tuesdays and Fridays uh, at 12 p.m. Eastern. It's live. So you can join the conversation there. We talk about betting. So I just kind of like moved it around. Didn't do it. I'm not doing a dedicated Tuesday show, but it's, it's, it's all available. Between answers, answer and Connors, who do you think has the edge at this course? And how much golf do you play, if any, during the winter season in Vegas? Um, I'll start with the question about golf. Uh, not as much as I wish I could. You know, this is obviously it's cold. I like to play very, very early in the morning, like 6 a.m. with the lack of, you know, the sun coming up with the, the shorter days and it's colder. That becomes more difficult, but it's just a little bit busier for me this time of year. Answer, this is a tough question because off the tee, this is probably a better spot from ans- for answer compared to last week. So he gets kind of a big boost there. Connors is good everywhere from tee to green, but this has been a really good place for him with the putter. So I don't know if it's just I can say this course is better for each one of them. If the metrics maintain themselves for Connors on the greens, it's scary right? Because this is by far the place that he's putted the best. If he does anything close to his career baseline here, or his, uh, his, his, his Y live baseline here, watch out. You guys mentioned lift rumors of lift clean in place on one of the Monday shows. Can we lock that in? And who do we think that fares? So no, you can never lock it in Zach. Um, I'll try to see if they text the players Ah, man. I might have to do some actual, um, I might have to do some actual journalism on this one. So I'll, I'll try to find out if they, if they send a note to the players about lift clean in place tonight, I'll try to find out what would normally happen is PGA tour comms would tweet it out tomorrow morning before the round starts, but maybe only an hour before the round, something like that. So if they do, and no, we cannot lock it in because we don't know. And the only reason that I think that is because reports from the ground are that it's soft. It's the same 25 days of you know rain in the last 40 that they had last week when they played lift clean in place. So apparently Wiley's pretty wet. If they do go lift clean in place, you want guys playing out of the fairway. You have to because it's such an advantage. So that goes back to generally shorter hitters because shorter hitters tend to be more accurate, but guys who are playing out of the fairway will have a huge advantage if they do indeed go preferred lies. Brady says, Hey Rick, thank you for the content taking price and ownership into consideration. Which pair do you lean McNeely and Denny or Aaron Rye and Cam Davis? Rye and Davis. Thoughts on Jim Furyk this week. Yeah. I've gotten a couple of emails about Jim Furyk. I don't think you ever need to play Jim Furyk, especially with some of the guys that are priced around him this week. And I just think there's higher upside players. But if you're dying to play Jim Furyk, this is really the only place you can play him. Um, I will not. That's my opinion. 
Hey, Rick, can you go through your specific weekly process that helps you identify the best plays and which of your tools do you lean on the most? Yeah, so I, as much as I'd love to do that, that would that would probably take me 20 minutes and I am not sure others would be thrilled about that. I do have a video on YouTube. It's a little outdated. The tools have been improved. It's better. And it's like, um, I think it's called the ultimate research process. Don't quote me on the name of that. But generally speaking, I rely heavily on the cheat sheet for recent form and course history. I rely heavily on the power rankings because this is, this is new this year and I can weigh everything to just kind of give me an idea of who's playing well last 10 rounds, 20 rounds, 50 rounds, 100 rounds, just kind of who's, who's trending in the right direction. Um, then, you know, you start looking at salaries and things like that. You start piecing it together and I run a custom model with the weights that I think are going to be important because of the weights that the course key stats tool tells me. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm not doing it, uh, the justice here, but I'll try to create another video for you at some point. I appreciate it. Heard on the golf channel today, yesterday that the rough is thicker this year due to all the rain. That would be normal. Should we be weighing driving accuracy a bit more than usual? Sure. I think that's a, that's a fine strategy. If the rough is thicker and it's wet, and they play preferred lies, the accurate drivers are going to have a very, very, very big advantage. Bernie with a super chat, welcome, says, speaking of fairways, I have a prop line on Billy Ho, seven and a half to one fairways in regulation. This year shows number one with 85% rate, unless I'm missing something here on the over. All right, so let me see if I can find this for you. Um, let me think, let me think, let me think. All right, so here's what I have. Go to the Holy Grail, go to stats tab, scroll down to the bottom. Uh, this is detached from, and it's very confusing because I shouldn't have it on the same page, but this is detached from like the season stats. Obviously guys don't have 50 rounds this season, but I've got 50 rounds here. Fairway percentages. Uh, who are we talking about? Billy Horschel. I have Billy Horschel at, 67% of fairways in his last 50 rounds. Now, obviously that's going to be across different courses, right? So it's, it's kind of, this isn't the full answer, but if you say 66%, what's that? What's 66% of 18? 12, but actually it's not 18 because there's what four part threes, right? So it's out of 14. So really it is 14 times 0.6666. It's about 9.3. Um, yeah, I think you want the over. I think that's right. Thanks for the super chat, Bernie. Let me find my spot again. <laughs> TJ says longtime fan. Like, I don't know who he is. Uh, looking to get, <laughs> oh, who wins this week? Oh God. I think he's trolling me. Uh, also I'm getting a Look at this. Look at this sunlight coming in. I don't have my curtains closed all the way. Rookie move. Who wins this week? I uh, probably Cam Smith. Yes. Armina's asking me a question and I'm telling her yes. Um, Rick, love all the new features in the custom model. Thanks for all the hard work. I wanted to focus on putt inside distances for the model. How can I learn on which distances to choose? Okay, so... I owe you guys probably an update on the course key stats model because I have that stuff, right? Like how many putts come from inside certain areas? 
Mina's going to make an appearance. She's going to walk behind and she's going to close the blinds. Thank you very much. Yeah, that one right there. Now it's the middle one. Yeah, I think that did it, right? Yeah, that's good. Thank you. So I don't have a good answer for you, Matthew. I will update the course key stats because really um, there are some courses that guys generally end up in the same spots or if there are quadrants on, on greens, you're going to see a lot of putts from similar areas. So I'll try to do a data dump into the course key stats tool that might help with this. But I don't have a good answer for you right now. This is a pretty interesting question. And I'm going to have to start going a lot faster through these because I did not realize we were going to have this many questions. So I apologize. And I like to give you know thoughtful answers to everybody, but I might have to start rolling through some of these pretty quickly. So it's a good question, though. Who do you think the most over-owned and most under-owned players on the slate are going to be? So in terms of straight ownership, uh, I think Webb is going to be close to 25 or 30%, but I think that's warranted. If you're asking, like, who do I think is more owned than they should be? I love the guy, but it's probably Russell Henley coming in around 22%. He's coming from a, a wet uh, Georgia, where I know he hasn't been able to put in as much practice time as he would like. I know he's won here before, but that was eight years ago, and people are riding on that, and he hasn't been really a closer recently, so that concerns me. Um, under-owned, Abe answered 11%. He could win this week, right? Would you be at all surprised to see him win? Probably not. Fresh start for everyone in 2020, or do you rely more on the data picking out players this week? Uh, I, I do. I kind of reset everybody back to 50 or 100, 100 rounds. I'm okay with that. Christian Bizet note popping up a lot for me, but upon deep diving, his putting seems off a little bit in the past tournaments. Again, I would set everybody back. He is still. Um, let me go to the let me go to the power rankings here, and this is why this is so critical to kind of see the ideas here. So let's do weighted data. Uh, last. Two last hundred rounds. That would be like a year's worth of data for most of these guys. Uh, Christian Bezadenhout, second best putter in the field behind only Cam Smith. Very, very good putter. So I'm willing to set him back to that. Can we go down the CH3 rabbit hole? I prefer not to. He's been amazing here. Best player strokes gained ever here. He's played it like 22 times. What's his upside? I'm not sure. I will not be investing in him nor... Jim Furyk this week. I just, I think you're also paying for it. He's not particularly cheap. You're paying for the course history. If you're rostering him at $8,000, I'd rather have Cam Davis. Happy new year, Rick. What? Why would you pick? I can't read. Who would you fade? I can't read again. Who would you 100% fade? That may be a popular pick this week. Uh, Leishman, 18%. I just never get him right. I have no idea. Okay, this is good. I've answered, I've answered, um, luckily I've answered a lot of these questions. Okay, so can you show the driving distances? Yeah, it seems like a pretty easy one to do. If you go to the Holy Grail, which I have saved, oh, right here, you go to the stats page, go to, uh, I don't know, last 50 rounds, whatever you want. Cam Young, he only has 16 rounds, though, 30, 322 yards. Joseph Brown, what's up there? Taylor Pendrith's up there. You can adjust this for however, however many rounds that you want there, Seth. Uh, you mentioned that this week sets up better for Abe Answer. Can you explain specifically why this week is better set up for Abe compared to Kapalua? Sure. Abe benefits from accurate 
driving of the golf ball in which being in the fairway or having penal rough, like that's a benefit to Abe because he's playing out of the fairway. When you go to Kapalua, everyone's playing out of the fairway. So his advantage doesn't exist. And now he's behind the eight ball, basically every single tee shot. He's not very long. So now he's having to hit longer shots as everybody else. It's just, it's a really bad spot for him. It's a horrible spot for him. We knew that. This feels like a much better spot for him, especially if they play preferred lies. Abe Answer probably wins this thing. Um, I'm going to just lump a couple of these questions together. Yes, I talked about Hudson Swafford. If you want to rewind, I think he's a pretty decent play. The K, uh, There's like five KH Lee questions, so I'll just knock all those out at once. KH Lee, fascinating uh, what he's been up to. So I want to go to maybe um, power rankings. Do I want to go to the power rankings? Mm, so I want to go to, let's just go to his Holy Grail, I guess. All right, strokes game by tournament. Let me find KH Lee. Let me clear these guys out here. Give me one second, peeps. So I make sure I got all this stuff loaded in correctly. Make sure I don't have any lingering filters. All right, KH Lee. Here's KH Lee recently. Horrible last week. Um, but after his win, he was bad for a month. That's like the win hangover. No problem there. Got a lot better, right? Started to gain a lot of strokes off the tee. Started to gain a lot of strokes on approach. Putter turned around a little bit. What we saw last week was horrendous. Could you write this off as one bad week? It would have been really bad. I think you can. I think you can. I think you got to at least go back to him, Coke Rack, answer. Uh, because if you're right, if you're early on those guys, you win all the money. And if they're bad again, then we learn something. Then it's maybe more than just a small sample size issue. But I think that you got to go back to answer. You got to go back to Kokrak. You got to go back to KH Lee. One more time. One more go around. Last week, you said you really like Spieth to win a major. My book has him at plus 500. Do you think it's a slam dunk at that price? First of all, five, the five to one, nothing is a slam dunk, right? That's it's five to one. One out of every six. It's what, 12%, 16%? Uh, is that right? No. Whatever. But that, I believe, is the best number I've seen on him to win a major. I think most of them were like 400 or plus 450. So nothing is a slam dunk, but I believe that to be the best line I've seen on him. Oh, I had to chug some water. Sorry. My main man, Rick. Woof. I thought we were going to go live chat without seeing Hove in the chat. Jay-Z. How do you feel about David Lipsky? Yeah, so I'm actually a pretty big fan of David Lipsky, and I try to not let my uh, my Las Vegas bias earn that, right? Because he's a Vegas guy. But uh, got his got his card through the Corn Ferry Tour last year. Unfortunately, it has been a terrible start for his PGA Tour career. In fact, he's played four times this season. I shouldn't say for his. I should not say for his PGA Tour career. I shouldn't say that because he actually has like. 20 before he got his tour card this year, he played like 20 PGA tour events, like WGCs and stuff like that. He's missed five of his last six cuts. I thought we got off to a really good start at Fortinet with a T22, not really seeing the metrics as well, but he's, he's a seasoned guy. I'm still pretty, I'm still pretty excited about him, but um, 
I wish he got off to a better start. Do you think Matt Jones has any shot to make the top 20 this week? Um, I will not be investing in that. Just, and let me just tell, like, here's, here's my perspective on Matt Jones, okay? It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty easy. What version of Matt Jones are we more likely to get? Are we more likely to get the guy who just set a tournament scoring record and finished third at the Century Tournament of Champions over the weekend? Or are we more likely to get the guy that for basically 25 straight events didn't finish inside the top 30 and lost strokes on the most important categories? He's been horrendous on approach, and he wasn't even good last week. Last week, he gained more around the green than he did on approach, more around the green than he did off the tee, more on putting than he has in most events in his career. So if you combine those into the short game metrics, it was his best short game week of his career. If you want to go further, why not go to the whole uh, the uh, live leaderboard, which is new. By the way, I'm I'm tinkering with the live leaderboard. This updates throughout the tournament, so you can come here and get the strokes gain metrics and the fantasy points live. If you don't use this, you're probably pretty crazy. If we look at the final two rounds, we know that that was the historic, the historic. Uh, you know, record-setting trend that Matt Jones had. And it's at least better ball striking, right? So that's a little bit to be optimistic about, but we're talking about two rounds out of his last 100 that have been really, really good. I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. I hope I'm wrong. Love the guy. I hope I'm wrong. I just don't buy it. Oh, I just learned that I can star comments and come back to them later. Why haven't I been doing that? I just learned that. Okay, that's very helpful. Um... All right, 15 minutes to go. Let me try to run through as many of these as I can. Howl at 8,000 on DK is basically a guaranteed cut maker here, but Kokrak coming off a bad week, only eight and a half. Do you lean either way? Kokrak seems to have more win equity, for sure. Kokrak's range of outcomes are much wider than CH3s. I don't know if I'm going to be able to run through these quickly. Rick, do you ever find yourself in a dark place where you start building lineups with only guys named Cameron or only South Africans or some other theme? Yes, every single week. Um, guys with no picture. Guys wearing the same color shirt. Guys with two first names. Adam Scott, Patrick Reed, uh, Keith Mitchell. There's a ton more. Now I can't think of another one. I got to think of one more before I can move on. Um, Daniel Berger? No. Cam Davis? That could be one. Why can't I think of a good one? There's so many good ones. God, I don't know, guys. Sorry. Rick, have you ever done any props on prize picks? No, but I'm getting a lot more questions about that. Uh, maybe I should. I'll look into it. Does oh, Incredibly dumb question from a first-time one and dunner. Does the FedEx Cup impact things at all? Assuming no, but one to check. It depends on your one and done. The one I'm running, no. Most of the standard ones, no. It stops the week before the tour championship, so you don't have to deal with that. So it usually stops at the BMW championship, but check your rules. 
Depends on where you're playing. Some people will. Trust me. I get the emails. Connors or Henley for one and done? Connors. Looking at power over Cam Davis in a head-to-head, what do you think the fair odds on them are? Well, I don't have to guess. I can just run this. Go to the head-to-head matchup tool. This is generally pretty accurate. Oh, my God. Did I get logged out of my own site? That's so embarrassing. Let me log back in real quick. So embarrassing. Logged out of your own site. All right, let's try this again. Head-to-head matchups. Yeah, all right. Who is it? Cam Davis and uh, Seamus Power. So you plug in any two golfers that you want. You plug in any time period that you want. Um, Power and Davis. Um, I have, well, this is probably too long of a time period. Let's go since 2021. Start of 2021. I have Cam Davis winning this 53% of the time. So the fair odds should be about minus 113. Uh, that does not include the VIG, obviously. So they're going to juice it a bit. So like if that was 120, I wouldn't be surprised. Can we talk about general ideas for weather waves? For example, there, if there was zero winds in the morning wave, if there was zero wind, is the morning wave still favored because faster greens, lower temp, or is it all winds? It is not all winds. Lou Stagner uh, tweeted out something really good about putting rates throughout the day. Greens are easier to putt on during the day, uh, during the morning. Sorry. So guys make more putts in the morning. So no, it's not just wind related. My girl said you look like a dwarf sitting, Rick. I don't even know what that means. I'll t- I think it's a compliment, though. I had no idea Cam Smith, Cam Young invented surfing. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I think we're off the rails here. Hey, Rick, can't believe you did trends dirty. There have been a, plenty of helpful trends. You even have a whole tab dedicated to them. Yeah, I mean, I do have a... I do, okay, yeah, it's probably true, Roy. Uh, Will. Will Roy, two first names. Um, I do have a trending, t- t- uh, what is it called? Tool, but I don't like creating narratives out of these. It's just data. Data-driven, baby. Let's go. By the way, while we're here, breakout candidates. Uh, Taylor Gooch and Hideki. Oh, boy. Scary stuff. Okay, I'm, I'm happy that there's a lot of similar questions that I've already answered because I felt bad that I was like 30 minutes behind on questions. Hey, Rick, not sure if this has been asked or if you were even doing cut sweats, but what do you think about doing a community lineup to sweat with you and your followers? If it hits, you, of course, decide how the money is dispersed. Anyway, just a thought. Thanks for the great content as always. Thanks, Joe. I just don't think that's a great idea. I, I mean, first of all, it is probably against DraftKings terms and conditions, right? C- community rules. Um, also, I don't want to be in charge of dispersing the money. It's just like for the one and done. I don't keep any of the money. It go- all goes to league safe. I just, there's no reason for me to, to do that, honestly. It seems like it's more headaches than anything. But I appreciate your community-minded look. 
Everybody wants to know who Mina has to win. She'll tell me in a second. She'll send me a Slack message. Gooch. Actually, she said Gooch with nine O's. So I think we've got our answer there. This is kind of a question for future tournaments. You say that you're looking at everyone's stats at 50 or 100 rounds. At what point do you start looking at recent form? Good question. Soon. Uh, I would at least like a couple of full field events, right? So when we get to, so we'll have this week, we'll have American Express, we'll have Tory. Then we'll go to Pebble next, or they go? No, I guess it would have to be Phoenix, then Pebble. Phoenix-ish? Phoenix-ish, right? Because you're going to need a lot of guys starting their season. I'll, I'll lean heavily on like 16, 24 rounds, but right now it's just been so long. I want to revert everybody back to their baseline. Takumi Kanaya, very good player. Uh, very good on the Japanese tour. Um, super talented. I don't know what his, I think he's ranked in the 60s in the official world golf rankings. Fire away. Anthony! It took us this long to get a first-round leader question. Um, and luckily for you, Anthony, I've got a hell of an answer. So my friend, you should go subscribe to the Run Good Rundown. The Run Good Rundown, oh my God, I use the word trends in this too. Um, I'm such a traitor. So the Run Good Rundown is a newsletter that I email out every single week with basically like silly, we, I don't even know if they're silly or helpful or weird stats and trends that, um, that like, don't just like pop up in my research process. So like, there's kind of weird stuff. But what I did is I kind of did a first round leader dive. Uh, where did I do it? Here. So basically I looked at first round leaders. So basically I started with everybody's round one baseline. But the problem is you want to find value. So I wanted to compare everyone's first round baseline to their rounds two through four to see who gets the biggest boost. Long story short, Brian Harmon's number one. Sung Kang is two, although his round one, he's a loser. So you want someone who has a good round one, but also a big difference between the rest of his rounds. Christian Bezatenhope, Corey Connors, Chris Kirk, Andrew Novak, Steven Yeager, Jason Kokrak, Russell Henley. I absolutely guarantee one of those guys is the first round leader or your money back for the, for the newsletter. It's free. I'm not sending you anything. Oh. Oh, I miss, sorry. I misunderstood that question. I've answered a lot of these. That's very good. Yes, I've done a deep dive on him. No problem there. Yes, yes, yes. Shane says, since this is presented by Jock Market, can we talk more Jock Market strategy? Probably a good idea. Uh, certainly join Joe and I tonight on the Power Hour, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time, because him and I will be going uh, deep into the strategy, and we're giving money away. Also, we do that. That's always fun. I'm glad I've answered a lot of these. Parker Parker says, I got to get through these fast. Tries to name golfers with two first names. <laughs> oh, so funny. Paul Casey, that was a good one. Listen, we got to have a little fun sometimes. In the matchups, how far back calendar-wise would you say is a long-term view and how far long is a short-term view? Thanks for that and weighted stats on the site. Cool, thanks, man. So, yeah, weighted stats is a game changer, right? I would say... Uh, six months is probably the happy medium on matchups. 
right? If you're just going back six months, it's generally 30 to 50 rounds for most guys. That's probably fine. I sometimes default to a year just because 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 the graph shows you the ebbs and flows of when well, of when they've crossed each other. So I can kind of get an idea that way, but we'll see. Any thoughts on expanding weighted strokes gained to other tools? Uh, yes, it's already in the works behind the scenes. You just have not seen it yet. Is answer Connor's Gooch a valid start for GPP? Or am I risking too much by fading the top? No, that's fine. Ten more to go to get to six hundred in the Rick's one and done. Is that true? Wow. Are you counting paid people because paid people might be lower? Believe it or not, Rick. Who's your favorite Georgia dog after they won their title, the first college football national championship? Yeah, there's a lot of them. English, Kisner, Henley, Kirk, Harmon, Mitchell, Stafford, Stafford, Hudson, Swafford. Thinking Matt Stafford, maybe also a Georgia dog, right? Or Straka. Wow, that was probably like a slip for you, Oliver. Just like your brain just flipped to a different guy. It's probably weird that now that I'm reading it because you probably didn't notice at the time. And now you're thinking, oh my God, did that really happen? It did. Okay. Harmon will be your first round leader. Uh, but overall, it's probably, oh man. <sighs> Henley's probably going to finish the best, but Swafford would probably be like the best value, I think. If you had to, I love this game. If you had to pick a min price player, who would you pick? I love this game so much. Okay. So uh, I, before I even scroll down, I know the answer is Paul Barjon. Yeah, it's Paul Barjon. So there's actually a lot of guys priced at 6,000. Paul Barjon is way better than all these guys. I mean, look at the metrics. Look at the metrics. Here's what I'll do. Watch this. Watch this. We're going to go to the Holy Grail. Uh, I'm going to get rid of KH Lee, and we're going to sort it by lowest price. And we're going to look for like the last, I mean, we got to narrow this down a little bit. So last uh, two, last year, since the start of 2021. Okay, let's do that. All right. There are one, two, three, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine min-priced guys. Oh, maybe it's, maybe it's Vanderwalt. A lot of his stats are, oh man, he's been four, four cuts in a row. He's been great on the European tour. Struggling here on the PGA. Jared Wolf, no, never gains. Here's Paul Barjan. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. Paul Barjan. He's made two cuts this season. That's probably better than you can say for most of these guys. Kevin Chappell's the min price. Oof, he's struggling. All right, sorry. Love that game. Are Ramey and Young your favorite KFT players this week? Yeah, Ramey, Young, and um, Smalley would probably be in there. That was a great email for the first-round leaders. Thank you. When during the week do you start looking at overlay? The flop shot is 43% still open with 20 hours to go. Yeah, it'll fill. Um, you're actually probably better off getting the smaller versions that they open up later. Right. So, so I don't have this in front of me, but I'm pretty sure the most of the overlay comes on those second contests that they open. So if you don't know what the overlay is, uh, it's when the contests on your favorite site don't get as many entrants as they've guaranteed in money. 
So when like the $200 single entry, um, when that fills or it's close to filling, they open up another one. It's more likely that that one doesn't fill and that there's overlay there. Uh, I do have a betting card for this week. It's actually probably bigger than normal. It's a lot of 30s to 60s. Let me just see what I have. I don't want to lie to you. A lot of 30s to 60s. So I've got, um, well, Ramey at 130, but come on. Cam Davis at 52 to 1, McNeely at 52 to 1, Kokrak at 45, Answer at 32, and Connors at 32. Because I probably got better numbers than most of you guys, too. Circa, baby. Are we saving Cam Smith anywhere for one and done? No, you're saving him for here. Rick, do you have a possible trip to Arizona for the waste management in your future plans? Not specifically. I'm trying to get to Tory. The fact that Tory ends on a Saturday is huge because I can travel on Sunday without having to. So normally the event would end on Sunday. I would travel on Monday and I got a lot of stuff to do on Monday. So that's, it's hard to do that, but I can travel on Sunday and still get back in time. So I don't think I'll be at Phoenix, but I, I might be at Phoenix, but I'll, I, I want to be at Tory. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so hungry, Jeffrey. I got to get out of here. So we're, we're, we're going to go grab a bite here in just a second for lunch. I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, all right. I think I'm at the bottom here. All right. Well, I'm not going to tell you where we're going to lunch. What if some crazy shows up and like, you know, wants to murder us? Uh, I'm just going to get a buffalo chicken sandwich. There's a spot with a really good buffalo chicken sandwich. It's going to have fried. It's going to be very, very delicious. Buffalo chicken, not chicken. Chicken. Google it. Okay. Here's where we're at. Tonight, Jock Market Power Hour, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Twitter space, 7 p.m. Eastern. You can join the conversation. Also... The run good, run and done, one and done, it's closing in like eight hours. So please do not be the person who emails me on Friday asking if they can get in. Please do not. You can, you can get in right now. Uh, also, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I really do. It's been fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Additionally, make sure you pet your dogs. I'm going to lunch now. Goodbye.